You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Discussing a big topic tonight, big in terms of the significance of the subject, and also it's, it manifests itself in a, a number of different places. Um, and therefore, 45 minutes or now, it was not simple for uh, Claudius Roll to obtain a king. We know they did not have a king for years and that they came to Shmuel, and Shmuel castigated them. Despite the fact that there is a parsha of Melech in the Torah, and parsha Shoftu. But as it's clear from Sefer Shmuel, Barbanel underscores this, that this was a Rishus. Um, the Rambam, of course, uh, based on Chazal, says that having a Melech is one of the mitzvahs that Klaus Yisrael was commanded to have. So we're right away already uh, sort of in a, in a struggle with should we submit ourselves to a form of government where there's one person who has power over everyone and can seemingly uh, generate dictates that don't necessarily uh, accord to what we would consider the standard way of, of dealing with people. In other words, that he could come up with a law like Paro, of course, does in Mitzrayim that uh, goes against what had been uh, the normal way for societies to be uh, to conduct themselves. A person can somehow call executive privilege uh, the order of the king. This must be done. Um, do we submit to this type of system as a system that is considered positive for us? Obviously, Shmuel felt that the option is there, but he felt that it was unnecessary that they could they could uh, conduct themselves just with with a novi. Um, this is why the Rabboni Shalom actually tells Shmuel that Klai Yisrael's request for a melech is not a rejection of him as a leader of giving over the ideas of God, but it's actually a rejection of God himself. And this is why the Barbanel, as I said, famously disagrees with the Rambam and seemingly with Chazal. It says that his views are really based not just on the Pesukim and the Vim, but also from his knowledge of the, cor- the corruptibility of kings and how it has not worked well for Klal Yisrael or for any nation. And of course, this is really a strange opinion to hold because although history in some ways bears him out, uh, and some of the Nevi'im seem to bear this out, but the the Kabbalah that we have that there will be a Melech and that Melech is the Melech Mashiach, and, and this seems to indicate that the idea is of a Melech, and the Melech is the Melech of God. So there is this, I would say, a complex dialectic between the positive aspect of Melech and the non-positive aspect. Um, within that framework, I think we all have to admit that there needs to be leadership. The question whether there should be a Melech or not, or a Moshe, um, it seems to be independent of the question of the practical way society is run, that without a leader, nothing gets done. And this is now, and therefore we come to the secondary aspect, which is can someone be considered 
a leader, but not necessarily assume the mantle of Melech. And if you have such a person, what rights, what halachas, how is that person different? And that's how we come to the idea of Nasi. And as you can see, the Torah starts off with Imkesev Talvis Ami. This is a is the is the paragraph, and this is about um, lending money to the poor, um, not <clears throat> being uh, don't push not pushing the poor to make their payments, um, not to charge interest. The reality, of course, the Torah says is that you might find cause to take a mashkan, to take a collateral and something that's significant from the person you're lending the money to. But you have to allow that person use of that significant item. This an incredible paradox. You're taking this item that you know is important to him to indicate the fact that you want your money back, but you have to give him use of that item in order for him to be able to uh, continue to make a living in some in some fashion, although technically you're going to come and take it back. And this is one of the most incredible mitzvahs of the Torah, that, that you know, here you are doing the normal thing, which is I'm going to take the significant item for you as a collateral, but on the other point, I'm giving it back to you so you can use it when you need to use it. And that's what the Torah says. Of course, you, what's he supposed to sleep in? So technically, it's sort of yours because you lent him the money, but you have to give him use of it at the same time. And this sort of tells you how incredibly sympathetic uh, and the type of compassion the Torah has and it understands the reality. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because when that paragraph sort of ends, although it's like a, you know, again, it goes... Uh, it then says, So most of the Mephoshim shot believe that there's a connection between what, these two psukim that we just read. Although there is an indicator, this is a Samach here, which is a new paragraph, but the paragraph builds on the paragraph before. Somehow this is connected to the poor. And Elohim lo sekalel, benosi ba'amcha, Lo Sa'or is connected to the situation we have just described. Well, what is that connection? He says, If we look at this whole range of psukim, and I haven't read all of them with you, we see that they seem to all have to do with dealing with the poor. And they all are connected to the idea of what happens when you lend money. And therefore, Ebenezer quotes positively the Karite, the Ephes. So why are we saying Elohim lo sekalel? Ule ha'oni berov tzara belayla. Im yavar ha'malvet lo yoshev lo ha'avot. Yikalo ha'oni hadayin shadon sheyukach avuto. In other words, Yefes is saying that it's going to be difficult for people to actually fulfill this paradoxical mitzvah. So, even though the um, the 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 Dayan has said, you're not paying. If you're not paying, and you don't have the money, he has the right to take this collateral from you. 
But the Dayan tells the, the, the wealthy person who has lent the money, make sure you give that collateral back, like the Torah says. Of course, oh yeah, I'm going to do the mitzvah of the Torah, of course. But he doesn't. And therefore, the kalalah, the curse, is uttered by the poor person. Why is he uttering a curse? Because that's all that he can do. He's helpless. He didn't have money. So now he has money that he can somehow pay off his debts. But now he doesn't have his blanket or he doesn't have whatever item that he uses for his, for his, for his benefits. And he's cursing. He's cursing Elohim. He's cursing the Dayan because that is the connection. Now, if that's the case, what is the connection to the Nasi? Why would he be cursing the Nasi then? I understand the specific Dayan, but who's this Nasi Ba'amcha that this poor person should curse? Stam Nasi, the Chizkuni says, Hainu Oshir, Umal Vilacherem. In other words, the same way Yefes says that the Elohim was the Dayan who made the deal, but maybe the Nasi Ba'amcha is the wealthy guy. In other words, once you already have Yefes that you're cursing the judge who gave, put, who gave this poor man this deal, so now you'll curse the Nasi as well. Why are you going to curse the Nasi? So the Zizkuni says, I'll be shot. This is the Nasi is a fellow of means. He's the one you asked to borrow the money from. Stam Nasi Hainu Oshir, Umal Velacherim. Vizira Kosher Lukalo Oshir so now the question is like this. The guy's not doing the mitzvah, so why shouldn't you curse him? So Chizkuni says, well, look, he's not doing the mitzvah, but you got to admit he lent you the money. So if you take a look at this in terms of pshat, of, uh, as the Karaites did here, and as Chizkuni following them does, then Nosi isn't necessarily here a specific ruler or a specific chieftain. He's someone who has enough power here that he's, you're the one you, he borrowed the money from. So that's, a, that's on, on an elemental, I guess, almost like a karite like pshat, but it, it fits in very nicely in terms of what the Torah is trying to say. Between low to kalel and low to or. I agree with you. It's more severe than the other, isn't it? And Okay, so you're, 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 you're asking good. What is... If the Chizkuni is right, it should be, you should curse both of them, right? And maybe you should actually curse the Nasi worse than the Elohim, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yes. So, that's a good point. If Chizkuni is right, then he, right? Because you're assuming, Bob, that which one is worse? Which one do you think is worse, Bob? Um, Well, I think the, 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 I think the rich guy is worse than the... You think the rich guy is worse because he's not doing the mitzvah. But right. which term do you think is worse? Uh, Sa'or or Tekalel? Well, I think Sa'or is worse. Uh, I think. Um, right, because as Shadal points out here, that if you take a look what what the two terms are, he says, Klola usually means the guy standing in front of you because you're trying to... It's called. It comes from the word Kalon. Right. Not what you put on yourself yeah, after you yeah. shave. Because no. you want you want to try to embarrass. Yeah. That's what it is. It's an embarrassment. Yeah. I but see. arira is saor is like the word oror, right? Yeah. That you yeah. and, and you would do it even shalobafanov. 
mm-hmm. like it's over plony um like you say over ato mm-hmm. um and we find it of course by avroma vino as well where it says umekalalelcha aror right mm-hmm. In other words, the people who are going to be trying to embarrass Avram and make him feel terrible, Hashem in his Shamayim mm-hmm. is going to be Gozer and Arira, Shalobafonov. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is, and, and Shadal beautifully shows you that the word Arur uh, occurs always when the other party isn't hearing it. Like it says in uh, in Sefer Shoftim, Aru Maroz, um, right? Uh, so by Bilam, he was supposed to be, you know, a Taor, right? Bilam was supposed to curse them, like they weren't listening to it. So, so, but, so it's a, but but if you'd use that, then it it seems reversed because the judge is not going to hear him. It's the but, but he might go over to the rich guy and say, right, bum, right. how come you're not doing that mitzvah? Yeah. You're right. And so I agree with you. Um, yeah. And the truth is, Ebenezer himself, although he praises the FS, uh, here says that Elohim is the judge. That means a judge here, Elohim Mosekaleo, but Nasi is the Melech. So here Ebenezer is saying the Nasi is a special. It's not really, seemingly, it's not really connected to this poor guy. Even though he quotes Yefes favorably, but originally he says, "Oh, I got to be like Chazal here. The Melech is the one that's written in Mishnah Torah. That's the Melech we're talking about, and this is a uh, that you can't curse the Melech. But all right, but why would the Melech be the one you're cursing here? So if we take a look at the Rashbam, the Rashbam, <clears throat> you see it right here. He says it's not necessarily talking about a poor person." It's not necessarily not like Yefes that it's connected to the Pesach right before it, but it's talking about who are who usually gets cursed, Dibar Akasim Behova, who usually gets uh, uh, articulated against in such a way. He says the Malachim and the Dayanim, Donim Dine Mamanos Venefashos, Regilim Beneyodim Lakalavam, and God knew that. So again, the way the Rashbam learns, this Pesach refers to. A society that has kings and has judges, and these powerful people, because of the power they yield, the judge, the king has sort of an ultra power. The judge has powers that I guess based on laws that have been accepted and 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 and, and either promulgated by the king or or predate the king, but they carry them out and administer them. The person who are usually affected by them, this is their means of attack. Is that they're powerless in a way? Most of the people are because what can they do? You know, they, there's even if there's no if there's a police force or anything else, the point is that they this is their only means of striking back. And who do you usually strike back against? The ones who are in power. So as and he brings a proof from Kohelis, even in your mind and your consciousness, don't curse the melech. So Shlomo Melech understood that people, that's like, that's that's who you you hate. That's the person who you, well, I'm going to say it better. It's not hating. Cursing comes from a belief that you can somehow invoke, especially as if you say that, you know, cursing to be over the law means cursing with the name of God, that somehow you feel that your soul 
as a human being, as a religious person, or just a a, a person who is can connect somehow to God, you can bring down God's anger on someone. It's it's a very incredible idea that you think your curse works. Somehow there's like an inherent belief that the this powerless person has, even though he's whatever his situation is, he feels he's been shafted. But he feels that there's something he can do over and above. And therefore, he sort of taps into that. And he feels that it can become articulated through his mouth, the anger that's in his mind that now goes to his mouth. And he says those words, uh, that God should strike this person down, invoking God against that person. He believes it can work. It's almost the only thing left for him. And therefore, he, he curses that person with, uh, with God, that God should kill him, that God should eliminate him, God should destroy him. And who, is it, who, who would you bring that against, the Rush Bomb says? You'd bring it against the people who have power over you. And that's why the Torah writes it here, to, which meaning the Rush Bomb is saying you shouldn't curse anybody. Because as the Rosh Bam was very aware, there's another Pusik in Parshish Kedosh that says, that you shouldn't curse uh, even just a person who's not in charge. Cherish in those days would be someone who would have very little power, very little control. He'd be someone who almost would be on the margins of society. Um, so we know that cursing is wrong for everyone, the Rosh Bam says. But who would you ever want to like become so desperate that you would invoke this curse power? It would be a melech or a dayan. So we see from the Rashbam that he understands Nasi to be a melech, similar to the Ebenezer. That's who the Nasi is. And the reason is, is, is not because, like Cheskuni <laughs> says, they happen to be the one who lent you the money, <clears throat> because this is just in general. They're the ones who don dine mamanos venefoshos. So that you might be the person who be, who's been sentenced to death by this king, or it might be your father or brother or a loved one who's been sentenced to death by the king. And therefore, that's what wells up inside of you, that you want to curse that king. Now, then the Rashbam brings a beautiful proof to this, that that it's it's you always curse the one who affects the punishment. And we all know this Pusik that says that when you have... Uh, a person who has actually uh, been uh, been uh, given the death sentence of Skila. What does the Pusik say? That well, Silin eats. Right? Don't let him his body stay in there overnight. Kikilas Elohim totally. Because now what does that mean? Kikilas Elohim totally. So Bob, you probably know Rashi. It says that his, this man's grandfather, Shabam's grandfather, that a human being is in the tzelem of, of God. And therefore, even though this person has done horrible things and gone against the will of God and been put to death, when people see that human being there, it's almost like uh, an affront to God. And therefore, we, we, we want that body to stay there during the daytime hours. Uh, and maybe the beginning of the evening as people are going home for them to be scared and to realize the effects of sin. But we don't want it to stay overnight because <laughs> as the day wanes, we realize every human being, even the sinner, is in the image of God. And there's a certain respect you have to have for the human form, which is somehow a reflection of God. That's 
what you would have understood the pshat. That's the reason why we have the mitzvah of bearing the mace, the way solid, even if a person is not a, a togo, even if a person is in a, that we want that, that person buried as soon as possible. Okay. Rashbam has a whole different pshat. It's so brilliant. If people will curse the judge, not that it's God, people will curse the judge by that guy hanging there. When they see that body there, they said, what? That poor guy, they didn't give him a break. The guy wanted to do tshuva. How do they know? I bet you those witnesses were cooked up. Oh, so who do they curse? We don't want people to be makalel. We don't want people to be over kilowatts to do kolos. Therefore, that's why the Torah says brilliant, <laughs> right? In other words, the Torah says get rid of him because we don't want people to be makalel kilowatts elohim totally because we know that that leads. It's almost like peanut butter will go with jelly. Like we all know that if uh, if there's a dead body hanging there because of being put to death in court, we know that's just going to generate curses against Elohim. So Rashbam and, uh, um, and Evan Ezra are really on the same side here, that the Nasi is the Melech, Elohim is the Dayan. And the truth is, is that if we go even earlier, we can see from Unculus as well, Elohim is Dayana. And who is the Nasi? Well, I would expect Now, what does that mean? Does that mean a melech? I'm not sure. Um, the Targum Yerushalmi also, or Targum Yonason on the same Pasik says, Nosi means Rabnim Dimismanin Nigudin. Now, that means Rabnim means people of power. Okay, the mismanim that have been appointed, nigudim. A nigid is a person of like a. Uh, I've heard it translated as a chancellor, a person who controls and and and, and dictates certain laws and dictates. So it sounds like some sort of higher power. Um, so the targum Yishalmi seems to indicate targum Yonason seems to indicate that we are talking about someone who has been elected to a, an august position. I'm not sure if Unculus is included in Unculus in that way, but that's what it, that's what it would seem. Um, it's also borne out by two, uh, if we go earlier, or about, about the same time as Unculus, the Mechilta, the Rashbi, um, a little bit later, Let's see. The person curses a Dayan, he has been over two Averot. Mishum Dayan, Mishum Chavero. Hmm. So the Mechilta seems to say that every person you can't curse. And that might be from the Posik Lotakawal Cheresh, that you can't curse a marginal person, which means we would, we would assume that, I guess, everybody would be like that. But if the person who you're cursing is a Dayan, then you you can get Makos twice. You're over twice. And now the Mechilta continues. 
ונוסי בעמך לא יסעור, מלמד שמקלס הנוסי עובר משום שולש, משום דיין, ומשום חברו, ומשום נוסי. So, the, Rash, the Mechilta de Rashbi, this medrash, which was in the school of Shimon Bar Yochai, seems to hold that Nasi, every Nasi is a Dayan, but every Dayan is not a Nasi. So the Nasi we're talking about needs to be somebody who is also can administer um, justice. Now, does that mean he has to be the king? Maybe he can be some sort of secular rule, act a law against you and can actually can actually dictate something. Because he says that if you curse him, you've cursed a Dayan as well. You've cursed your friend. He's another Jew. He's a Dayan and he's a Nasi. So you're over three Averos for cursing him. The next part of the Mechilta, though, indicates to me at least that he probably was a king, but it's not so clear. Because it says nasi and this is quoted in in Chazal, not just here but in, throughout a number of places. So that would indicate that not someone who has gone off the derech, as we would say, like Yeruvim, who was commanding the Jews to do things against the Torah. And therefore, he's lost his uh, sanction to be considered a Nasi. And if you would curse him, you wouldn't be over their love. But clearly, Yeruvim, before he goes off, would have a din of a Nasi. Even though he wasn't a Melech, according to the Torah, because he wasn't from Shevet Yehuda. What makes Yeruvim wrong is because he sets up an ego, he sets up other things, right? So that then, okay, now you can curse Yeruvim. But till Yeruvim, you know, at the time when Yeruvim first breaks away from Rechavim, and he says, okay, we're gonna, uh, we're not gonna listen to you. We're gonna not gonna. We don't like you as Melech. We're gonna rule ourselves in a different way. So, yeah, it sounds like uh, you don't have to be the Melech Al Pitora. Although Yeruvim, you know, did have a little bit of impromptuer, he was told by the Navi that he would be king. But it sounds like what takes him away from this title of Nasi is his doing Averos, not the fact that he isn't necessarily a descendant of of Yehuda, because we know he was from Shevet Ephraim. So, but from this Mechilta, it's someone who has power and maybe the ultimate power. Um, the Chazal that's quoted here by the Yalkut Shemoni, quoting Rabbi Yudav and Becerra, says also, um, if it's similar, if it's a Nasi, maybe Achav is a Nasi. Now, Achav also was not a, a Melech from Yehuda. So, Ba'amcha. So, basically, I think what we can prove from Droshim is that it's pretty powerful, a Nasi, but not necessarily what we would call the ultimate halachic king, but maybe he needs to have that title as the ultimate authority to be considered a nasi. And less than that would not be a nasi, uh, which goes really against the the Karite interpretation here that Chizkuni seems to have. Ramban says, what does the word nasi come from? Nisa ala'am, someone who is above the people. 
and that makes sense, like Ebenezer says. Now, he borrows from all the Mepharshim that precede him and say, why would I want to curse him? Because he probably did something against me, specifically in law, where his law is what caused me to lose. And that's why I would curse him. Kasher Yechayev, also b'mishpoto. And the Ramban says that's the same thing Uncle says about Elohim lo sekalel. Because he, he's the one who made me guilty. Yechayvenu bedin. So that's why I would curse him. Now, however, he then quotes Chazal, which we haven't seen yet tonight. Chazal say in Baba Basra that in Sanhedrin, Elohim lo sekalel. Hmm. Now, why does the Gemara say this? Why does the Gemara think this has to do with cursing God? Well, there's a problem, a technical problem. If a person curses God, the Magadev, he's stoned, he's given skila. But we know that there's a principle. God does not punish unless there's a warning in the Torah. There needs to be a law in the Torah to, that precedes the, the Pasuk that says we mete out punishment. So even though there's no doubt that a person who does that will be killed and has violated a capital offense, there's a technicality. And the technicality is, where is the Azhara? Where's the Losase? And there isn't one except here. Or it says Elohim lo sekalel, um, and it does double duty here <laughs> because Chazal clearly say that if you curse a dayan, you're going to get makos from here. So this is one of these psukim that really has a double meaning. It means don't curse God, but and, and it, it, because we need it to mean we need we need it to mean that. Otherwise, technically, we could never put anyone to death for cursing God. Yet, in terms of pshat, as as as, as from Uncle was down, we realize it's referring to the judge who, sh- who you think shafted you. Now, and the Ramban says once we have this Gemara, though, we now have an Azara on the ultimate king. Now, the Haim Amrubi Gemara. And the Ramban sort of explains why it could be, why it can do double duty. Not because technically we needed to use it. The Ramban wants it to be a little more beautiful than that. And he says, I'll read it again to you. That in the term Elohim, it could be Hashem Hanichbad, the Hashofet. Now, why? We know that it can sometimes mean God, and can sometimes mean a judge, because they both are the repository of power. But how does one pasuk include both? So the Ramban explains why. Asher Yoshav, Moshe Elohim Baretz, because he, in a way is allowing God to permeate through the earth. So in other words, the Shofet is in a way God's agent. So therefore, he can be Elohim. 
So he is, he's not just the one who we've decided is powerful and we need to go to him to judge our cases, but in a way he is an extension of God's power because God put him, that is really here through the grace of God and God has planted him here with the rules of the Torah that this judge is, 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 is judging based on. So in that way, Elohim can be both. But now the question is, who's the Nasi? So he says, The Gemara always refers to a Nasi also as the person who was the head of the Sanhedrin, the one who had the last vote, the one who was needed for cases of Kiddush HaKodesh, the person who was the the one who, who set the tone the, the, it was it was Rabbi Gamliel who was who was taken down for a while and replaced by Rabbi, by Rabbi Azariah. So is that the same term? The Talmud always calls that person Nasi. Would that be here too? Would you be over a lav and get makos like twice if you'd curse the Nasi? You get you get it definitely once because he's no less than anybody else in Yisrael, but. Would he be? Or would you get it three times? Right? Like, let's say he was. Let's say he was because we know he's a Dayan too. Because if he's as if, if he's the head of the Sanhedrin, then he has power to judge, not just to explain the Torah Shabbat or to explain what the Torah Shabbat means, but he also did judge the, the Zokin Mamre and other cases. So he definitely has a title as a Dayan. But would he be considered the Nasi? Would you get Makas three times if you would curse him? So it's not clear, he says. Even though the Talmud calls that Nasi, Vaharav Rav Moshe Omar, that's the Rambam, Shu Azharazu. The Rambam says he is. nearly, and I agree with the Rambam. And what's the, what is the, the Ramban's proof? Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rebbe, in the Gemara and Horius, asked his, his beloved student, Rabbi Chia. He said, what do you think, Rabbi to? Would I bring a sa'ir? And then the Ramban tapers off. And that's his proof. So if based on this proof, so losa or kol nasi ba'am. So nasi doesn't mean necessarily the king who's been given ultimate power to use political power uh, and to set up a government. But what does it mean? Kol nasi ba'am shurosh hasrora al kol yisro. So I'm wondering here. Well, what about in a situation where there was a king and a Rosh Sanhedrin? The Ramban is talking about Yehuda Hanasi. And Yehuda Hanasi, of course, lived in a time when there was no Jewish monarchy. So in a way, he could be considered, and he did act in many ways as the political head. So the Ramban is saying, kol nasi ba'am, so, yes, that 
if there is such a position in modern Israel, I don't know. But even the Rosh Hashanahedron that he's referring to seems to be only the Rosh Hashanahedron during a period that there is not a political or civic king. Um, now, but then the Ramban says, Bain malchus, o Torah. Then the Ramban says, wait, it's bifurcated. In other words, there is something called Memshola of Malchus, and that is a political king. And that could even be a Yerovam if he stays on the straight and narrow, or Achav. And then there's the Memshola of Torah. So, and, and, and it seems like from here that even this would be true, not only for Rebbe, but even for Hillel. So let's say Hillel lived and whoever the king was, was it Hordis, whoever was the king at that time, or, or, or one of the other um, descendants of the Hashmanoyim, or, or from, or from the, the, the slaves, the Hashmanoyim, whether it's, uh, you know, whoever, whatever name, Yanai, whoever, whatever you want, whatever, whoever you want to say, Yanai or Yochanan Horkinus, but the Rosh Sanhedrin, it would seem from the second line here of the Ramban, would also be considered Nasi because there is Memshelis Torah. And you know, getting back to the Abarbanel and, 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 and the Sukkim and Shmuel, it is possible to live a life. And although you subscribe to the, the, the dictates of the Memshelis Malchus, it doesn't really enter into your life too well. The the personage who represents what dictates your life more might be the head of the Sanhedrin, the Mamshelah's Torah. And therefore, he is above. Kinosia Sanhedrin hu b'mailoch elyona proof that, that the Ramban brings from the Gemara and Horius. So first you have to realize the Torah introduces the Parsha of the Chattas and Perak Dawud of And it starts with the Chattas of the Kohen HaMashiach, where the Kohen Godel um, is the one who paskins for himself and allows himself to do an Avera. He thinks it's not an Avera, but in his Psaq it is. And his Psaq, his psak is against what he realizes himself later was wrong. So he has to bring the par, the par of the par helem dover. And the Torah describes how that par is brought. It's it's not brought on, on the Mizbeach normally. The whole thing is burnt. Um, it has a very special way of processing it. And on the heels of that, the Torah describes that the Sanhedrin can be guilty in the same way. Just like that one person who's sort of a miniature Sanhedrin himself, the Sanhedrin, the Eine Hakal, could issue a psaq that is even more horrific in the way that it actually scoops up the whole Jewish people. And of course, this is the basis of Horoyos. Horoyos or Horoyos is all about the psakim that can lead to this type of major carbon that either that the whole B'nai Yisrael have to bring, Sanhedrin have to bring on, on their behalf. And the Torah describes how that carbon is brought. So before we get to the regular guy who opens up the refrigerator and eats the piece of 
Chelev B'Shogeg, which is always Chazal's paradigm, the, 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 the paradigm case of, of, of where you're Chayev Achatas. We then have this parsha, Asher Nosi Yechte, the Nosi will sin. What's his carbon? Seir is him. He brings a seir. Now he doesn't bring a par, he doesn't bring a big bull. He brings a male goat. Now, I need to tell you that everybody else who does a standard Avera eats chalev. What does he bring? He has two possibilities. He brings a kivsa or a seir, a female sheep or a female goat. That's the standard korban chatas. Is a sheep or a goat? A female sheep, as you see, chatas nekeva tamima. That's what it is if it's a keves. Right? Or it's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a seiras izim, a female goat, tamima nekeva. The Nasi, if he does such an Avera, Bishogeg, right? Bishkoga. It's not a psak that he makes. He's a Shogeg. He also wakes up and is Machal Shabbos Bishogeg. So he brings a male goat, a Sawyer. So that's the Ramban's proof. Rabbi Huda Nasi wanted to know that if. He, at this, if there had been a Beis Amikdosh, or maybe he would have to write down for the future, would I, should I bring a Sawyer or not? That's what he wanted to know. So the Ramban is saying, well, what's his, what's his Havamina? He's not the Melech. Oh, you see that Yehuda Nasi understood that maybe that's what a Nasi is. And the Ramban says, therefore, it would apply this word term nasi would apply to the person who's the Rosh Memsholas Hataira. Now, the Ramban does not quote what Rebbechia's answer was. Let's take a look and see what Rebbechia's answer was to his query. Mani Basoyer. Amrlei Harei Tsaroscha Bebovel. You're not the one in charge. There's, a, there's someone who's got power like you in Bovel. Now, who's that? That's the Reish Galusa. The Reish Galusa in Bavel, at the time of Rebbe, means there isn't any ultimate authority. So, because so much of the Jewish people were living in Bavel and were under the control of the Reish Galusa, Rebbe could not be considered the Nasi. So, the Gemara then asks, wait, Eisve, Malch, the Brysa says, Malchi Yisrael, Malchi Beis David, This says that you can have two kings, like I was mentioning before, like Yeruvam. You could have a king of Yisrael who isn't necessarily, that if there would be a, the period of the split before the Chorban, where you had kings like Yeruvam and Achav, and they were doing the Derech HaTorah, let's say. And they would do an Avera. They would bring a carbon, And the other one would bring a carbon. They're both Nisiyan. So you see from here, this is what um, the Bryce is saying, that you can, so why can't Rebbe be the leader of Israel? 
And whoever the Reish Galus in Bovel was, we know Rabbi Nosson, for example, was a son of the Reish Galusa. So maybe whoever, Rabbi Nosson's father, maybe he or, or would be the one who would bring uh, would bring the, the carbon there. And you have tuned to see him, which was the price it says. So Amrle, so Rabchia answered, Hasam lo kaife adadi. When the Jews lived as a uh, as, as a nation in this situation, there was not civil war, but they also lived independently. And you could have a Malchus based David and a Malchus Yisrael operating separately. And therefore each of them are Nasiyim over their specific place. And this is the Chiddush here, and this goes, this is perhaps uh, emphasizes your point, Dr. Kogan. Which means what? We depend on the on, 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 on the Reish Kalus and Bavel. We are, in a way, we are subservient to them. Okay. Um, that's one version of the discussion of what happened between Rebbe and Reb Chia. Reb Safra had a different version of that discussion. He said, yes, it started that way. And Reb Chia's answer was, Hasam Shevet, right? Which is what? If you look at the Brach of Yaakov Avinu, he says, Well, Yosser Shevet Miuda, or Machokek Mibain Raglov. Meaning, a shevet is power. Where was it that political power was, was seated? It was seated in the Reish Galusa. The Reish Galusa, the Bryces say, and maybe it's like you said, that might be the reason why we want him to be from David. He was more powerful. Whereas the Machokek, Mibain Raglov, is basically, Mibain Raglov is a remez to a, is, 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 is from meaning from progenitors. Mibain Raglov means that from his seed, it's a Loshan Sagi Nohar. Machokek, the leader, the one who establishes laws, will come from that person's zera. Now, what does that mean, a machokek? A machokek is what? Isn't necessarily an enforcer. That's b'nei bonav shohilel. Shemelamdim teru yisrael berabim. That's what you are. You, you are a melamed. <laughs> You're a nasi. But basically, all you are is a machokek. And a machokek is someone you're setting the law and you need to tell people what the law is. Now, if they want to accept it, they'll accept it. If they don't want to accept it, they'll be pyrical. And now there isn't any way to get them to actually give in. Uh, so according to, according to the second version, what we're saying is not so much that Yehuda, that, 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 that the Reish Galusa had power over the Bnei Eretz Yisrael, but the Bnei Eretz Yisrael was a was paltry because the best they can do is teach Torah Barabim and hopefully get people so interested in Torah that their love of Torah would make them respect that that person as the Torah leader. But it didn't come with 
with any political power in the sense, as you can see here, a shavit. A shavit is what you hit someone with. Rodas Yisrael They're not listening. So therefore, according to the second version, Rav Safra's version, Rav Chia was saying, in order to be the Nasi, you have to have power to push these people around, not just in terms of Torah. So I would say that the second pshat here, the Rav Safra's version, would be against the Rambam. The Rambam says the, the term Nasi applies on both the, the Memshelas HaTayra. But as you can see from Rav Safra, the Memshelas HaTayra is really, uh, <laughs> and you hope it works. The first version, I agree. Especially you could say, but still, this is the Ramban's proof. And it's again, it's somewhat, somewhat, Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.